Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now, now listening, listening to Black, Black Comics, Comics Chat. Chat. Black, Black, Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey, a group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hello, hello. What is happening, people? What is going on, world? What is cracking? What's popping? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back with Black Comics Chat. Um, you know, we have returning to the show one of our, our favorite peeps in comics, um, and we will get to those introductions soon but for now you know it, it right now it's it's the black comic chat dynamic duo of myself and um and tony the red lion you know holding it down <laughs> so uh what, what's going on tony? What up, y'all? you know what there's there's a lot going on but yet like not much you know there's a lot of work but you know there's a lot of exciting things happening in the world of comic books so i'm, I'm happy and i'm ready for it Definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, Tony was this, which we'll get into later, but this past weekend, he was part of another Black Comic Chat dynamic duo. Um, him and Grace, you know, hit up the Black Comic Book Festival at the Schomburg Center in New York. So uh, we definitely want to hear the details of that. And uh, Tony also released uh, three interviews from the festival that are on our YouTube page. So, you know, we'll get into that later, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll hear all about it. But um, yeah, right now, like I mentioned, it's just the two of us. Leo is on the way. He's probably, you know, uh, running furiously from the, the train stop right now. Um, but So he'll be joining us soon. But uh, I'm going to jump straight to our very special guest. We got returning to this show. Um, we, we've got, you know, the award-winning publisher and editor of uh, Power and Magic Press. You know, we got Joe and Matt Gill. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Marcus, and I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> I uh, am super, super happy to be back, and yeah, I'm excited to talk to each and every one of you when I can. Cool, definitely. So yeah, like I mean, for listeners who didn't happen to catch the uh, the first episode that that Joe appeared on, um, you know, she really raised the bar. When it comes to uh, the origin story question, you know, because she was a, a regular listener of Black Comics Chat. So she she did her homework and came prepared with her answers for the origin story. <laughs> so, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to open the floor for you to once again, you know, show people how an origin story is told. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, once upon a time, I was born in <laughs> Miami, Florida, to a uh, Afro-Cuban mother and a white Cuban father. So that wow. is where my beautiful, enigmatic, mixed-race Latina <laughs> origins uh, came from. Uh, I uh, grew up uh, very, very poor. Uh, raised uh, by my mother and a couple of stepfathers, one that ended up sticking in the end, uh, was uh, growing up in the time where school libraries didn't really carry many comic books. So uh, those two things combined meant that I didn't really have access to comics at all uh, during the beginning of my origin story. Uh, I was more interested in cartooning from uh, the cable we stole uh, that gave me access to <laughs> Cartoon Network, the Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and basically those three channels were my jam. I barely ever watched anything live action. And from the time I was 12, I sort of had this, this awakening of like, you know what? Uh, the people who draw these stories, because I was old enough to know that they were being drawn, uh, they bring me so much joy. They, like, let me experience worlds and, like, situations and people that uh, I don't get to because, you know, despite living in a big metropolitan, like, cultural hub like Miami, we didn't have a lot of access to things. We didn't leave the house often. We didn't buy stuff. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I got that seed of I'm going to learn how to draw because I want to be this type of storyteller because these are the types of stories that speak to me. Um uh, that mixed in with like my love of uh, R.L. Stein and like just uh, like uh, middle grade fantasy books uh, made me into the creator I am today. Uh, and then eventually in high school, I found friends who read manga and uh, they started lending that to me, uh, manga and manhwa from Korea. Um, and that was the first time that I realized that comics as a medium could do more than just tell superhero stories because superhero stories were all I was aware of from pop culture as being what comics do. Um, whereas manga, manga and manhwa were giving me stories about like youth and love and like interpersonal conflict and, uh, just sort of giving this more universal and like, uh, accessible to, to female audiences, like version of graphic storytelling. Uh, so fast forward, I thought I was going to study psychology, uh, but I was wrong. And <laughs> I didn't, uh, get to go to grad school. So then I thought this is a wake up call that that dream of pursuing comics and cartoons that I thought was silly by the time I got to college, cause it's not practical. Maybe it's what I'm supposed to be doing. So, uh, I went full throttle with it. I've been, uh, doing full-time freelance since, uh, 2010. Uh, it finally supports me completely. Uh, wow. I'm, not making a middle class income from it, but I can pay my own rent. <laughs> hey, that, that, <laughs> is, that is nothing to sneeze at, you know? Oh, that's, yeah. That's all that counts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still want health insurance, but we're working yeah. on it. We're getting there. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah, of course. Uh, and at some point, I just got so annoyed and spiteful about not seeing comics <clears throat> I wanted to see on the shelves that I thought, fuck it, I'm going to publish them myself. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing nice. now. <laughs> yes. No, and that that is a, a you know fantastic origin story, and I think it's it's one. Uh, and you know, honestly, like yeah, like that supporting yourself on comics is is something that I think a lot of people 
in the audience are are salivating at. So we uh looks like Leo just joined us. What, what's yeah, happening? Did I like just catch half of Joe's origin story? Okay. I got half the origin. Hi Joe, what's going on? Hi Leo. Uh everything's good. Excited to be on the chat and excited that you're here. <laughs> uh, yo, I haven't been on the chat in like a minute. And I was like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> literally a year has passed a year has no, passed no, not well, since last year yeah it's true it was i was, I was on it last, last time last year but like I, I there was no way i was missing tonight so i'm psyched i'm hyped well i i am flattered thank you <laughs> yep. yeah so um yeah so joe i'm i think honestly like after that fantastically told origin story i think a good um jumping off point is you know, you had mentioned how um, in, in those manga you were reading, you found inspiration in the fact that you saw people represented um, and represented well in ways that you didn't see in, you know, the more popular mainstream American comics. So um, clearly, you know, as someone who's read a good deal of the work that you've either, you know, created or um, or curated as, a, as an editor and publisher, you know, that's a central part of your mission um, as, you know, in, in your role in comics. So I guess, yeah, like, can you speak a little bit about how, um, you know, that inspiration kind of uh, took shape in your own work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the main way that uh, manga and manhwa has shaped my work is that I, I like for work to be really dramatic, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh and you know that's that that's fun to say and like people love drama in all forms um but uh uh i guess on the what i think makes that really important is that uh so often like women's opinions and feelings are dismissed as drama just as like in everyday life uh and uh, I really, I just really like this idea that you can uh, make a story that is entirely about just like an interpersonal set of problems that a bunch of women are having, or just like have, even if you have like something more otherworldly, like a fantasy story or sci-fi story, like have it ultimately center on like a woman finding herself or a woman learning something about herself. Just like people dealing with their feelings is such a valid thing to write about. Mm. And to explore, like you'd think it'd be the most universal thing. Um, and yeah, I just, I, uh, I really like writing emotional stories, um, especially stories that uh, grapple with emotions that are, that are sort of, I guess, uncomfortable, like uh, thinking about your own identity and realizing you don't know what it is or um, uh, coming to terms with having a, uh, different sexuality than you thought after like losing a partner of one gender and then gaining a partner of a different gender. Just, yeah. Like for me, the, like, I love speculative fiction and I love it for exploring big ideas. And, but I also sometimes just love it as an aesthetic backdrop for people just being really human and not needing to be like a power fantasy or a, uh, just like a muscle show. <laughs> like a lot of comics are. No, I, like I like I think that's that that's really interesting this idea of of like emotions being larger 
in a lot of manga and like the language kind of following that. There's definitely American comics that I would say are are akin to that sensibility, though they have to be the rarity. Like they, they have to be the exception. Like I don't, I can't think of a ton. What the one that comes to mind immediately, which I feel like you must know about, is um, do you read Octopus Pie? Oh, I don't. Um, that. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten into it. Meredith Grand is an amazing personality, She's- though. Okay. Yeah, I. I love her. I love all the things she has to say about comics, but I've never actually gotten into her work. Um, and this is nothing, this is absolutely nothing against her. I just, I have a very specific, um, I have a very specific aesthetic. Like if the artwork in something doesn't fit my aesthetic, I don't read it immediately, which is kind of not great, but that that's where I'm at. That's the real talk on black comics. Chat no, today. That, yo, no, that's the- <laughs> Totally reasonable. Yo, Joseph P. Illich is the same way. Like he has that philosophy, and I have the total counter philosophy. I will read something with like art that I don't even bang with, like if the writing kind of grabs me like to a thing. But that's like everybody approaches comics like a different way when it comes to that. But Joe is in your corner for that. Joe will not even he like even if the thing is good, he won't get there because <laughs> it didn't bring him in, you know. And interestingly, um, for the subject of Octopus Pie, this is not the Octopus Pie cast, but it could be because I love that comic so, so dearly. Mm-hmm. Octopus Pie, the art drastically changes about halfway through it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would say, like, if that's a concern, like, literally, like, like uh, it's very informed by manga sensibilities and then color is introduced and it's informed by, like, manga treatments of color and such. And Ooh. that comic turns really exciting visually about halfway through. It does not start off that way at all because it was just, like, this thing she was, like, squeezing out or whatever. But I would recommend that. And I would say that, that it, it has a, a like... God, it sounds so. It sounds so like like I don't know. Weird, almost timid to use the phrase emotional intelligence, but it, <laughs> has, but it has that. Like it has a, it has a, a proximity to that to that idea that that yeah is is really rare. And I and I think is definitely uh, a demarcator for the books that you've curated. Like they feel very emotionally loud. I don't know if that people would interpret it as a negative. <laughs> But they, but I don't see it as that, and I totally think they are. Like they put those front and center. Well, I'll definitely have to take another look at Octopus Pie. Hearing that, um, and also thank you. I I take being emotionally loud as a compliment. Uh, growing <laughs> up, growing up, uh, uh, it was interesting because uh, I'm Cuban American, and uh, Cubans are extremely loud. I can say that. Also, it's true. <laughs> and uh, it it was one of those things where you could be emotionally loud if you were an adult. And you were angry. But if you were a child mm. and you were angry or sad uh, or upset yeah. in any way, you had to be emotionally quiet uh, because it was sort of, uh, you know, disrespectful to, like, challenge anything your parents were saying or, like, what they felt about things, etc. And I'm sure it varied from, you know, family to family, but that was my experience. Mm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm someone who cries a lot like joyfully or sadly or just from stress. And I enjoy it. I think it's a very good release. Um, But I actually didn't really start crying as much as I do until I was in college. And that's because I moved out of state. (laughs) That's interesting. Where did did you go to college? uh, 
Okay, so uh, real quick, I went to college for one year at Savannah College of Art and Design. Then I thought, man, the school's expensive. Am I being dumb by majoring in art? I hear you can't make that much money depending on what you do. So then I transferred to the super hippy-dippy Evergreen State College in Washington State where there are no grades. Uh, which is actually a double-edged sword because even though you don't have a grade, your teacher writes an intense essay about what you did right and wrong in your class. So be careful what you wish for. Um, and uh, there I studied psychology. Uh, I got my bachelor's. I put in for uh, uh, I put in for grad school for uh, clinical psychology. It only took me three three years to graduate college because I took so many advanced classes in high school. Um, but then I couldn't end up going to grad school because I became homeless during my application process and couldn't afford to go anywhere. (laughs) And that was the point where I was like, let's just draw cartoons and see what happens. Wait, (laughs) that is, wait, the origin story continues. (laughs) Ever expand this story. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're like, oh, where did you go to college? And I'm like, oh, Leo, that's such a complicated <laughs> question. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, I don't like, like, I, like, I don't know, I don't know if people on on the chat, people specifically on the chat or listening on Twitter, have a particular uh, perspective or, or, or criticism of this or opinion of this one way or the other. But like, I personally am not a crazy college dude, and I like, I had the. I had the most like non-normal college experience and I went crazy late and I, you know, I got all my partying in before I went to college. And when I went to college, I'm like, can we fucking work here? Like we're trying, (laughs) everybody's in their fucking PJs and wearing like flip flops. And they're like, Oh, we just came from this kegger. And I'm like, I'm trying to write this essay. (laughs) Like seriously. And I have to go to work tonight. So, so no, I, I totally understand uh, atypical uh, college experiences. And I, and I also kind of love the fact that that was almost a, just a, just a, a, a part of your specific journey. The irony is that, God, I know so many people who use art degrees to make a shitload of money. That's the irony. Like, there is a weird amount of money in art degrees, and it confuses me, but it's it's, uh, it's apparently real. Marcus, do you have any commentary on that particular last point? <laughs> make, making a lot of money from an art degree? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, I'm working it's, on pronounced, it. it's pronounced graphic design, Leo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I I don't know how much I can add to that from experience, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> but, so let's uh let, let's let's dive more into um because obviously since you know the the ever expanding part of your origin story, uh you know brought us to the point you're at now where you you decided to dive in full fully on this comics journey like let's let's talk about the the comics that you let's talk about the comics you created because the past few times we've spoken to you we've um definitely focused on specific projects mm-hmm. that you were editing but i want i want to speak about you as a creator a little bit too oh boy <laughs> uh d uh hmm. I, I can give you all right, all right so let, let's start out by just um you know let, let, let's speak about your we know that you love to make comics that make people cry that is yes. one thing you, you describe <laughs> oh, oh, oh i i have a all right, remind me that i have a question about okay. that no you, you go you go leo you go 
No, no, because this is going to totally take us on tangents. Just remind okay, me okay, of okay. a question about crying to Jeremy. Right. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it okay, back. All right, all right. Okay, so, yeah, so we know we know about that. So let, let's speak about, like, I, I can definitely say that, like, you know, having having read, um, you know, some of your comics that you've created personally, I I definitely see the, the emotional content. I also see the um, the way that, like, you know, just representation and the way you you identify and even just like you know other people identify that are you know outside of the commonly represented groups of people that we often see in media and comics like you know that that's ever present in your work um so i guess let, let, let's speak a little bit about that about the way that you basically keep it real in your comics can i can i put a possible thesis to that and this mm-hmm. can be projected or approved sure. Absolutely. I feel like when Joe writes about that particular subject, she describes identity as more of a journey than a quality. Hmm. And that could be wrong. I just that that that's that's how I interpret it. I'm sorry, Joe. I interrupted the whole the whole question and answer. No, no, that's good. I'm writing that down for like my uh, (laughs) my artist. You're gonna add that to your bio. Man, I'm throwing out the rhythm here. I haven't been doing the show. I'm totally throwing the rhythm. Shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. Um, uh, every time one of you adds something else, I'm like, oh, good. Now I can formulate my thoughts. I get more time to think. <laughs> <laughs> take, take your time. Take your time. Yeah. Um, gosh. Uh, well, it's uh, uh, it feels like the question's a little open ended. You want me to talk about um. You so I can make to... up a specific. Let, 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 okay, let's okay. maybe go over some specifics. Like I really um, dug your your um, you know comic that you had done on the Nib, which was about you know mixed race uh, Latinx identity, yeah. um, and I think that there's there's number one there's a lot of information there. I think the way that um, it's it's woven together, it's extremely informative, but it's also really engaging. Um, so I, I guess like tell us a little bit about that that particular comic. Okay. Um, so for that comic, uh, I basically had a, uh, tantrum on Twitter <laughs> one day, uh, when, uh, I, th- I think it was Remescla magazine. They're sort of like, uh, I love them. Oh yeah. I like them a lot. Uh, uh like in the most positive way possible, I guess I would describe them as, uh, uh latinx uh cultural commentary for millennials like it's sort of like this uh like i I feel like they're they're talking about things that uh my generation is concerned with and like my generation in this country is concerned with uh for better or worse because you know it's a whole continent of people and a whole continent of concerns um were you gonna say uh, vice is that what you were gonna say (laughs) <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna say Latinx Vice. You're, you're just making things up now, Leo. <laughs> no, because like when you were like, "This might sound bad" or something. I'm like, "You're gonna say Latinx Vice?" <laughs> like that. That sounds sound terrible somehow. All right. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially since Vice pissed off the entire world recently <laughs> with their, yeah. uh, their their comics article. But that's another story. <laughs> I, I actually did miss that. But it, okay. We'll, we'll talk about that. Oh, later. we can get into that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, uh, Remezcla posted a thing uh, about Gina Rodriguez, and the headline was just basically something like, Gina Rodriguez acknowledges her Afro-Latino roots. Mm. And I'm like, mm. okay. 
And the <laughs> article was just like a quote from her social media being like, mm. look, this is what she said. She's like, I'm proud of my dad. He's Afro-Latino. We're proud of our heritage, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mm. okay. And my Twitter tantrum was about the fact that acting like you can't tell that girl is black by looking at her. Right, right. <laughs> or, by, or, by, or by listening to her. That's never been a secret or any like thing that was, you know, some shaky, uh, loose change of her identity. Like that's. She's, oh, yeah. She's yeah. Absolutely. Like, that's that's her deal. It's a and it's a weird thing because like I see people of like all races and like uh, Latinx or like non-Latinx like just randomly on Twitter there'll be you know there'll be discourse in whatever corner and like occasionally Gina Rodriguez either comes up as like oh my god I love her Afro-Latinx pride or whatever and then in another corner it'll be like oh my god uh, Gina Rodriguez like uh, needs to like I don't know, be better about including uh, black Latinas when she talks about things. And I'm like, well, yes, but also y'all know she's black, right? Like, do y'all know that? (laughs) Um, And uh, it just sort of uh, got me thinking and like tweeting about the fact that like there's this sort of uh, cultural discrepancy between uh, how people recognize when someone is black if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like yeah. The, there's almost like this sort of, um, almost like a, like a, like a wall or like this strange box where if you look at someone and they have all the like physical markers that would cue you into African descent, if you like hear their last name is Hernandez or something, like your brain, like the the claw machine auto puts <laughs> them in like a different box. They're like, oh, oh, my bad. They're Latinx. I almost thought they were black, and I'm like. I, I, I love that to... visual of the, of the claw machine, by the way. Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful <laughs> for it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just like, I I need people to get, I'm sorry, get hashtag woke about the fact that like, <laughs> being black has nothing to do with what country you're from. Uh, so... Uh, I got a message from a friend while I'm going on this uh, Twitter rant, and she says, girl, the nib page pays good money for hot takes. Don't give these people your education for free. Make them pay. (laughs) And I said, you know what? That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm very grateful uh, to her. Her name is uh, Bianca Shunice. She was last year's uh, Ignatz Award winner for uh, most promising talent in comics, nice. and y'all should check her out. But um, yeah, so I pitched it to the Nib. The Nib was like, "Yeah, absolutely. We've never had anyone talk about this subject ever <laughs> on the Nib." Uh, so uh, yeah. Uh, it was a it was a really great experience to make that comic uh, with an editor, um, even though uh, I didn't have a uh, black editor, which uh, I kind of wish was available just because like there's like one correction in there that I'll throw out in a second. Uh, and neither of us caught it because like for my side, like I thought I had the right information about this one particular thing and just didn't. And then on the editor side, they just they're so completely outside this culture like i doubt it would have even occurred to them to double check it that part um but um uh what my editor did do did do and uh, they did an amazing job of it was just like sort of force me to elaborate 
on everything because um, I have a, a very conversational and like a succinct style of speaking. So I'll say things in like the shortest way possible with the least amount of words. And in front of my eyes, I'm just like, yep, what else, what else needs to be said about this? Well, I, if people don't get it from this, then I don't know. And then I need, sometimes I need someone else to come in and be like, some people have never heard of this. <laughs> and some mm. people like don't even know this basic thing at the start of your premise is a thing. And I got to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. So let's explain it. Let's make it real clear. Let's make sure everyone from any background can come to this comic and know exactly what I'm talking about unless they want to be willfully obtuse. So yeah, uh, I really enjoyed making that comic for the nib. Uh, it had a really good response. Uh, the uh, sort of correction that I would add in there is uh, there's a part about uh, that lists lots of um, terms for uh, to describe black people in Brazil. Um, mm. A lot of those terms are from a uh, study that was conducted to sort of uh, gauge uh, self-identification or self-description uh, racially among people in Brazil. Um, and many of those terms uh, from that survey were like sort of made up on the spot as how they would describe themselves by like a few people, sometimes only one person. Uh, but the, I don't, I don't think the comic is clear about that. The comic sort of, uh, unintentionally implies that like, those are like official terms of some kind that are popularly used. And that's not the case. Hmm. All right. Well, that's, I mean, it's a, you know, important clarification, but I think that the larger, you know, comic is just real. I think everyone should read it, basically. Yeah, that's a small, <laughs> but uh, but that's that. Yeah, that 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 totally makes sense. And sometimes, like that's where research leads you. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with it overall. I'm glad it's out there, and I got a lot of messages from people who um were basically saying, "Thank you." Now I can show this to a relative because every time I try to explain it, like I, I just get so mad or so nervous, I don't know what to say. But this puts it perfectly, and uh, nice. Well, I mean, that's the best I can hope for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, I think uh, that we we should really share this because you know, obviously, 2018, we're in an election year, and one of the things that drives me nuts is. Um, you know, when the, the political experts get on there and they're like, oh, the the, Lati the Latino vote or the, you know, or the black vote, you know, as though, you know, they're, yeah. they're speaking about like mm -hmm. one solid group of people that all kind of have the exact same interests or, you know, identities even. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I have, I have that same frustration uh, a lot of the time. Uh, I have a similar frustration whenever I sort of, Whenever I feel like looking statistics on anything, like uh, who, mm -hmm. which group does own the least houses <laughs> or has right. the least homeowners or whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, just anytime a statistic is missing data for like mixed race people, or even when it does have data for like people of more than one race said that said this, I'm like, yeah, but which races are they? <laughs> <laughs> like, right. what's yeah. happening there like who just sort of what sort of like which historical experience can we align these people with um because um like leo you mentioned that uh it seems like i treat identity as like a journey as opposed to like a quality um i i think that's true and at least what i what i try to do um i think the way i put it myself before was that um like 
when people were thinking about their identities, especially um, in the context of like being Latinx and like being outside the context of Latin America and now in the especially racial context of American racial history and what went down in America in terms of race and like who was considered what and like how much uh, miscegenation there was or wasn't and like, et cetera. A uh, Latinx people come into this context and they're like, okay, these terms aren't from my history. This uh, situation wasn't my exact history. So I'm confused about where I stand and what side I'm supposed to be on and like what my stake is mm-hmm. in any of this. Um, and, uh, I, I started thinking about identity less as a quality and more as a legacy, like which fight do you have a stake in is really like, I feel like the question people should be asking when they ask themselves, like, what are you, what is your identity? Mm. Like what, what's your legacy? What, what is your, what is your story? Which of these people's stories are you a character in? Like, uh, are you are you part of the story of, uh, you know, slavery in Cuba? Like you're part of that story mm. if you are descended from those people. Um, mm. Let's say you're mixed race and like you're you're descended from, like myself. You're descended from both uh, people who were used as slaves in Cuba and people who were doing the enslaving in Cuba. So like that history of colonialism and all the things that that you know, a group of people from Europe did, I'm part of that story. I'm a character in that story. And I'm also a character in the story of the African diaspora. Um, And I think when people think about it that way, it becomes a, I think it might make it easier for people to uh, not get caught up in like, oh, well, uh, because I see this a lot. I'm a POC, so I can't be racist against black people. Or, oh, (laughs) I'm... I'm I'm this so I get to make this joke or I'm whatever and it's mm. like like it feels like like sometimes people use their identities as currency right. as opposed to uh using it as a self reminder of where they come from and how that shouldn't form where they're going if that makes sense Yeah no it definitely makes sense Yeah it it makes it makes almost too much sense and it's, it's- <laughs> Like, no, it, no, it, it is super complicated. Like, I mean, I still like specifically remember this. And in, and in a lot of ways, I almost feel like this is a pretty, uh, it's a pretty insubstantial. It's, it feels in ways like an insubstantial part of the road to my identity. But when I was like, when I was, I was like a very early reader. And when I was, you know, like, like preteen, that's when I discovered books from writers from Argentina, books from writers from South America. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I mostly read white people until that point, just because that's what was available. That's what was at hand at the library. That's all I ever looked for. And weirdly, like I, I, I had some kind of incomprehensible connection to this shit that like I didn't even fully comprehend. I was really young and I, I guess I wasn't thinking as broadly as that. But when I read that shit, like I understood stuff just about like the flow of someone's thoughts as they wrote them down. Like the way Julio Cortázar writes down his thoughts is the way that I would think my thoughts. Mm. And it fucking confused me. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to pretend that like I know my own culture because of books that I read like specifically. Like, that's what gave my culture. Like anybody can read a book. There's nothing mm-hmm. really personal or like or like, you know, bloody blooded about that but at the same time i can't deny it either i can't deny that like i like it blew my entire mind it cracked my head open like (laughs) 
And then that's like all the shit I read for ages. And I, I didn't, I, in the midst of reading it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a thing I put in my head where I'm like, I'm going on a journey of my self discovery. Like it wasn't, it was just, I needed to read more of it. I wanted to like live in those worlds, live in that like frame of mind and that like, in that, in that sensibility. And I don't think that I am those books, but I feel like that was like an important part of kind of opening me up to understanding where the hell I came from. Uh, right. And I, and I feel like we run into just like tons of those little encounters and those all have a sort of, you know, uh, synergistic result. Um, and it's not as it's, there's not a monoculture and it's not as like one thing. It's not. And, and I hundred percent agree with you. The, the thing about people of color, like, Oh yeah, we can't be racist because we're people. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, d- depends on what you mean by racist right now. Sure. <laughs> You know, I just, I have to say, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing, the work that you've done. Um, I feel like I've always had these type of discussions on identity with so many people, most of whom either understand or don't understand uh, what it's like for people to question what you are. You know what I mean? And almost to the point where I can say I'm Black and have family members be like, well, no, you're not. And I'm like, uh, actually, I am. And, and the fact to, to actually having to defend identity, your own personal identity to family is very frustrating. Oh, man. And not, not just frustrating, but in that, that level, but just infuriating because it's one thing to sort of have to feel you need to defend your identity to the outside world. But, you know, but then to try to be with people who you should be comfortable with. You know what I mean? It's a whole other. Is it, Tony, you know, is it tougher? Do you think it's tougher having these types of uh, like conversations or or or, def- or describing these defenses to somebody who's actually your kinfolk versus someone who's not? Like, which which of those is actually harder to do? I've, I've had the, the hardest discussions I've had would be with family members who don't know. I, I would like to say family members who don't know better. You know what I mean? And, and those are usually the ones who are, you know, light skinned, who don't understand why I ha- would have to march on Black Lives Matter and stuff like that or how I make everything about race. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry that you can go to work and pass for a white person, but I can't. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you don't think I'm black. I could still get stopped by the police at any point here in New York City, you know what I mean, just for how I look. But just because that never will happen to you or can never happen to you, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't happen. I mean, let's, know, be, so. let's be realistic, though. There's that dude, you know, who wears the cowboy hat and all the fake medals and shit. I think a lot of people are seeing that dude as white right now. Like, <laughs> Tony, I'm just saying, if it's something you're interested in, like, I don't know, we could try some. We could do something, you know, uh, you know, wardrobe-wise. I mean, we could give it a shot. <laughs> are, are, are you suggesting we we sheriff Joe Clark uh, Tony up? <laughs> Clark Tony up a little bit. See what happens. See if, see if he's actually attended to quicker in a restaurant. You know, like I don't know. Like maybe do a do a bit of a social experiment. I mean, because it's oh, yeah. I mean, like like right, we, that, it could be like an isolated uh, you know <laughs> video prank video thing <laughs> for for educational purposes. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but again, as I, I, again, I just want to thank you for for being for for doing this and and basically bringing this up because I don't think that 
you know, this this conversation happens enough. I mean, with everything sort of happening with, you know, Amara La Negra and, and her show, oh, yeah. um, it's, a, it's a conversation that is, you know, that needs to be had. And, and when she can have a conversation on, on air with that clown, uh, <laughs> he's talking about how she's psychotic, you know what I mean? That's a real conversation. Yeah. You know, and then I heard something about, oh, well, you know, it was scripted. It's only for TV. You know what? I don't, even if that is true, which I don't believe, the fact is, is that it still hit home to many of us. Yeah. And it just shows that. that we need to continue to represent ourselves. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, sure. absolutely. And I mean, if it was scripted, then we'll... Good job, because I think everyone, job, right. <laughs> everyone's Amazing, rea- right. yeah, yeah, everyone's reaction to that, I feel like, well, everyone I associate with, uh, the reaction <laughs> was to be very mad on her behalf and to know that uh, young Hollywood, is that his name? Whatever. Uh, but uh, yes, 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 uh, yes. that uh, he was full of shit, that uh, mm. like, if if nothing else, like how like dare he gaslight this woman over something he apparently has like no idea about, doesn't understand. Um, but also like, it's one of those things where, um, it, it, it gets frustrating to like, there's sort of like this, this, this 50, 50 situation where you're like, okay, on the one hand, you know, uh, all my light skin relatives and like light skin friends from the same culture, they're like, uh, they're coming from a different cultural context, you know, like, uh, in the, in the U in the U S we we've had like, we we're like, we're, we're post like black power as like a concept mm-hmm. as like a thing that like, even if we're still dealing with, uh, all the problems of white supremacy, we, we have the concept of black power, like that, that concept that like, you know, parents can then teach their kids and like sort of, uh, indoctrinate them into like the the way this society is all right this is how it is oh your first racist experience at school let's talk about it let's talk about you know the civil rights movement let's talk about all this but it feels like like if for example in cuba if there was an equivalent of that i don't know about it because like we don't <laughs> like there's there's no like uh like your your light-skinned parents don't sit you down and are like okay honey let's talk about uh right. uh, yep. mm-hmm. uh los derechos de los negros or whatever <laughs> in like cuba or anything like that like that, that just that conversation doesn't happen people right. just sort of like uh passively or like oh that person's black at best be polite about it and don't bring it up (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a mess like i i struggle with this conversation uh even with my own mother and uh my mother uh considers herself mulata she is uh visibly of african descent uh, she, uh, has been discriminated against by her own family since she was a little kid. Uh, uh, women that married her older brothers and became her sisters-in-law, they would, uh, they would forbid her in Cuba from, uh, playing with her cousins because no. they didn't want her blackness to rub, to rub on their skin what? and stuff like that. Like it, it was a mess. It's a whole thing. Uh, my, my grandmother uh, got around. She had 10 children, most of whom by different fathers. So my mother is the, of my aunts and uncles, her siblings, she's the only black one. So her life was a mess. And now when I talk 
try to talk to her about these things because she raised me telling me like, you're Hispanic, you're Hispanic, you're Hispanic, you're Hispanic. And then around like middle school, like I noticed my mom saying something kind of anti-black and a light popped Mm -hmm. on in my head. And I was like, Hey mom, Mm -hmm. aren't you black? Uh Oh Uh -oh. Oh my God. (laughs) To be a fly on that wall. <laughs> uh, and that conversation just usually went with like black. I'm not black. Yo soy mulata. I'm a mulata. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? <laughs> and like mm-hmm. it never really got past that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so there's just a lot. It's so complicated. It's really a lot. Um, I I, de- I have I have a lot more. Um, I think I have a lot more patience with people who aren't Latinx who don't get it. Mm. Um, right. Right. Just because yes. yeah. I know words alone can carry so much meaning. Like sometimes when you tell someone I'm black and they say, no, you're not they're in their mind. They're not even saying, no, you don't have you. They're not saying you don't look like you're of African descent that when they say you're not black, they're thinking you're not American. Uh, because that mm. word carries mm. so much cultural context even just because it's being said in english because mm. i have observed people saying instead of i'm black they say i'm negro <laughs> and then people will be like oh, oh yes i understand what you oh. mean yes right because that must be a different shade right yeah, yeah, come yeah, on yeah. that's a different flavor <laughs> of black Stop people it. i get it <laughs> um so it's it's just amazing the power that like labels and words have in people's minds and a lot of people haven't really I guess, untangled right. those words. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I feel like I'm on a tangent, but yeah. No, it, no, it's, no. I mean, it, it's all... You know, Tony. You know yeah. it. It's oh, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. <laughs> well, we'll have to chat about this on, on, the, on the Twitter streets, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, one, one thought that pops up to me in, in various um, discussions that I, I have with people is, or one one conclusion that I come to that I think applies to a lot of things is, white supremacy ruins everything, you know, for everyone, (laughs) including white people, you know what I mean? And, and uh, like, it's been exported, you know, since all the the colonial mess and it's, it's been exported in different flavors, you know, to different places, but it's, uh, so it's fascinating to see, like, see it overlap. Um, you know what I mean? Like with the, the way that it's, uh, it's it's weaponized against you know black people and and then you know or, or or black Latinx people and every other combination you know of the two. So it's I don't know, but you're 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 doing you're doing the Lord's work with your <laughs> investigation of it. <laughs> I, I try. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think that should be a title of a new show: White Supremacy Ruins Everything. Ruins everything. It does. This call to the CW. <laughs> there's so much there's so much everything we've talked about like like you know fall, falls in line with that cw though that, that, that would be <laughs> i don't think we can trust the cw with this you guys <laughs> although I, later i do want to get into um black lightning which which was surprisingly on the cw yes. i say that in a positive yes, positive because i enjoyed it and it, it seemed you know markedly different than a lot of other cw shows uh, but yeah but um so so joe um one, I guess we, you know, last time you were you were on the show, you know, you were speaking about the um, the Power Magic anthology, the the very successful, uh, you know, Power and Magic anthology, and um, you know, on our on our blog, you also spoke about the Immortal Souls um, anthology, which, which 
you know, follow the Power Magic anthology. And I know that you have a new a new anthology coming out very <clears throat> soon that you'll be kickstarting this year. So I guess can you just like you know tell those who who don't know you know about the the series of anthologies that you've been working on, and then uh, let's you know talk a little bit about the newest one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Power and Magic, the Queer Witch Comics anthology, uh, was the first one. It came out in soft cover earlier this year. I want to say around March or April. Um, it was kickstarted uh, successfully, obviously, and uh, the response to it has been really, really great. Um, it's uh, not just an anthology about queer witches. Uh, all the queer witches are also uh, of color, and all the creators are uh, woman-aligned people of color. I learned that term this year and realized it describes what I was doing uh, mm. real quick. Woman-aligned means that you either identify as a woman or you are non-binary in a way that still places you on the woman spectrum. For example, if you identify as a demigirl or if you identify as bi-gender uh, and one of those genders is woman or if you are a uh, two-spirit native individual, uh, they are uh, people who identify as men and women. So basically, uh, it's an anthology series that's open to creators of color who are women in any way, shape, or form that one can be a woman. Um, and uh, the first volume uh, won a PRISM Award for uh, Best of the Year, which was fantastic and great, and I'm very happy. The trophy is, a, uh, is mounted on a block of wood and has a sort of ceramic open comic book spread with panels drawn on it and then a glass rainbow that goes what? over it and casts rainbow light on the pages it's really good <laughs> can you can you share that in the feed because now I, hold on wait i want to see <laughs> can you snap it if you snap it later i would i'd love to share it oh yeah definitely i'll uh, i'll message that to you uh in a bit uh, yeah. uh, the uh, anthology was also nominated for Outstanding Anthology at the Ignatz Awards at SPX last year. For folks who don't know, the Ignatz Awards are basically the Eisners of independent comics. So it mm -hmm. was a very big honor. Um, it was also a very big honor to lose to Tanika Stotts, who made Elements, an anthology by creators uh of comics. <laughs> another really good one another yeah, really good yeah. one and everyone yeah. should check that out um yeah. so uh since power and magic was such a hit um i decided to go ahead and publish some of the stories that were submitted at the time for power and magic but didn't get in uh ones that i really really liked um but that were all sort of unifyingly themed around like death and ghosts and zombies in this way that uh, would sort of affect the theme of volume one if they were all in there together. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I don't want the first volume to uh, sort of be themed so spooky. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but just I didn't want people to read it and be like, oh, here's this anthology of spooky stories. And I'm like, well, but that's not the point. The point is witches. <laughs> so now we have a spooky witch anthology called Immortal Souls. And uh, that one's a little smaller. Um, 
depending on its uh, soft cover success, I'm going to consider doing uh, more intermediate issues of Power and Magic, uh, much like that one, that deal with a more uh, sort of specialized genre uh, dealing with queer witches. Um, uh, that one is going to be in print in March, and that's when uh, Kickstarter fulfillment will start. Totally grok that that the idea with immortal and then like I feel stupid for not, but that it was like it was the it was the the ookier spookier stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's like the yeah, it's like it's like they do all deal with death or zombies. I feel yes, <laughs> that's death. a good thing with that death and or zombies. Uh, I think yeah, mine deals with death and zombies. Yeah, both. <laughs> a twofer. So yeah, yes. so so what's the new deal? Oh, the, the one that's being worked on right now is Heartwood, Non-Binary Tales of Sylvan Fantasy. Uh, that one is also what it says on the tin. It is a collection of stories all by non-binary creators um, because I realized at some point that no one has ever done an all-non-binary comics anthology ever. Really? Um, so there we go, pioneering it. And uh, all the stories are going to be themed after uh, forest-based uh, fantasy, like in the style of uh, old Grimm's fairy tales and uh, folk, folk, uh, folklore and urban legends. Um, huh. Just based around the fact that, the, especially for me personally, um, the forest feels like a sort of, uh, there's this fancy word, uh, liminality which sort of means existing in between places and in between frames of mind. It's sort of the state of being in transit. Um, and the forest feels like, like a space for that, a place where once you enter it, you now exist between worlds. You exist between the world where you normally find yourself, where you go about your day-to-day, -day, and whatever it is you're about to discover in there that you haven't seen before. Uh, especially, uh, it especially has that uh, symbolism in fairy tales. Uh, the forest is a place where you learn things. It's a place where you undergo trials. It's a place where your darkest fears are revealed to you, whereas before you never knew what they were, and then you come out changed. Um, and because such a big part of non-binary identity is not really having a roadmap to what your gender is supposed to be, for a lot of people, there are cultures where uh, there are third genders and like other genders are sort of already recognized and woven into that culture and are under understood. Um, but just for so many people, it's like that gender exploration is a journey in and of itself. And while the stories in Heartwood don't necessarily have to be a metaphor for discovering your gender, um, and we especially asked not to have stories that are about teaching people what non-binary means or like mm. teaching people that non-binary people are people uh because we just no, wanted no, no to... textbooks no There's textbooks no we want like i wanted to create a space where it's like non-binary people working on stories within a theme that uh would speak to us and uh speak to the very specific um experience or at least the very general specific experience we all go through because you know everyone's different 
Um, also, I'm just a huge nerd uh, for fairy tales and stuff. So, uh, and I love drawing trees. <laughs> so this is my excuse for everyone to draw beautiful <laughs> and for us to have just a very lush book uh, that's going to be very beautiful to give to everyone. Um, so yeah, that's what that is. And I'm, I'm mega excited for it. Um, it's going to be our biggest anthology to date. We've got 23 stories for it. Uh, oh, whoa. Yeah, before that... Uh, power and the first power and magic was the largest, and that had <clears throat> that had fifteen stories. So yeah. this is fifty percent bigger, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. Everyone is on the uh, script and thumbnail stage for it. Uh, the deadline for that is the end of this month. So right in February, people are already going to start drawing everything. Uh, we're planning to have this come out on Kickstarter sometime in the summer or the fall. So yeah, it, it's moving fast. And after that, I want to start wrangling folks for volume two of Power and Magic. I, the, as for something that size, I envision like, you know, uh, like a snazzy hardcover with like gold leaf and like one of those like bookmarky things that like comes out of the book. What do you call that shit? You know, the like the like <laughs> the ribbon that's in the book that like is just built in the room. I think it's just <laughs> called a bookmark, but don't quote me on that. Uh, like that. <laughs> I must have some preposterously specific British name. It's like, oh, the, a the, fancy bookmark. A fancy bookmark. A flunkledong, you know, like <laughs> book. But no, I envision, I envision like a Kickstarter level of that being like, hey, let's print like a super big, fancy, awesome, you know, gold leaf version of this because. Yeah. Listen, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm si- I'm already sitting here in 2018 thinking, all right, let's make the math work for a hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, like a uh, fairy tale book style uh, mess oh that we yes. then have to kickstart for many thousands of yeah. dollars. Yeah. No, that, that's <laughs> going to be up there. That's not going to be like a first goal. <laughs> goal, yeah but, but i could totally see it that's awesome yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so cool you know it, it, you're you're talking about like the this is not something i think about a ton you're talking about the concept of like the forest in in like you know western fables mm-hmm. and it, and for some reason so i'm thinking about like are you familiar with uh amos tutuala's book the palm wine drinkard no i'm not so it's like this uh it's like this book it was like the first Amos Tutuala was like, you know, uh, he was Nigerian and he learned English in like, you know, missionary schools and shit, like a ton of other, like Gino Achebe and all these other peeps. And he wrote this book, which is like this wild, crazy, super imaginative, like uh, fantastical book about uh, this guy who like is addicted to palm wine and then he can't get any more and he goes off on this adventure to like get more. It's really, it's an important book. But the thing in the book that like it taught me was that like, uh, in like in the Yoruban folklore that that the book is kind of housed in, there's like the idea of like the bush, and it's like the bush is like it's right there. Like sometimes people live right next to the bush, but you don't go in the bush because that's insane. There's like shit that will kill you in there. There's like unpredictability in, in in the bush. It's basically like 
in in certain ways it's similar to the western forest and fairy tales and in other ways it's almost like a sort of hellscape or like a really or like potentially lethal so you have to kind of like experience it a certain way and there's like weird mystical shit that goes on in there but a lot of a lot of those stories some of them are about people going to the bush but a lot of them involve the bush even if no one goes in there because it's like that's the place you don't go but western fairy tales it feels like the story is always everybody's in the forest like you go in the dark, awful place and then like something happens, which is, you know, maybe synonymous with, I don't know, losing your virginity or some weird shit. <laughs> however the hell we figured it out later. Um, but with their shit, a lot of their messaging was like, that's the crazy forest where all the crazy shit happens. Don't go into that forest. You d- people die in that forest. Like you don't want to go into that shit. Uh, oh, yeah. And I mean, sometimes the point of the Western story is let me tell you how bad that person died when they were right. in the forest. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And like a lot of the ones like, you know, we like the post Disney or the pre Disney versions that we don't get. Yeah. They're like, and with like people getting like their ankles chopped off. And, and <laughs> that's interesting that like, the, but there are some like weird echoes between the forest reality uh, in both these types, way different, way different geographically, but in both these types of, uh, of fable interpretations. That's interesting. I never thought about oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it uh, it takes a lot of forms throughout the world, but but uh, it does seem to be a sort of universal thing that uh, no matter where you are, there's a big group of plants, and you don't know what the fuck's in there, and people tell you all sorts of things about what the fuck's in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is all right. I'm gonna kickstart my anthology about forest stories. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, get that? Can I get that going? I, I support you, Leo. <laughs> Forest book. Cool, cool. Well, you know, I mean, we really want the uh, the 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 hardcover gold leaf with the the fancy bookmark. Um, we we <laughs> should right uh, out the gate. Yeah, yeah. Let's get right it, out. man. Let's get it. We got, we got months to get the get the steam going. All right, all right, all right fine. I mean, maybe if we if like I do a smaller print run to begin with, we can do hardcover right out the gate. Who knows? We'll see what happens. <laughs> I Immediately. That that's, I predict that's totally going to jump off with that. And that would be so cool and special. And it's like a book with like all these non It's awesome. That's so cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, quick, quick question. Um, you know, I, it's definitely been asked before. But, um, you know, just, just being that you have run some very successful, you know, Kickstarter campaigns. Do you have, uh, if you had one piece of advice for just listeners who are our comic creators and are playing crowdfunding, what would you tell them? Um, the number one thing I would tell them is to overestimate how long you think it takes to do anything. Ooh, good one. Yeah. I yeah. That. I hear that. Yeah. Um, if you think it, will take you three months to like do the pre-press and like get these books to the printer and talk to the printer and then get them over here. Give yourself seven months uh, <laughs> and just do everything as quick as you can. Uh, and, you know, even if it does end up only taking three months or if uh, everything that ends up, even if some things go wrong that aren't on the printer or aren't on act of God, like, Say you get sick, you know, you can actually like sleep for a week and not be like, oh, no, I'm letting down the entire world (laughs) who paid money for this book. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think that's general good, uh, like freelancer advice, too. 
in general. Like if someone's like, how quick can you get me this project? And you're like, realistically, it'll take me two weeks. It's like, oh, the earliest is a month, man. I'm sorry. Can you wait a month (laughs) so that you can do a good job, not kill yourself. And if anything out of your power happens, you didn't lie still. You were able to get it within the time frame you said. Right. Absolutely. And I, I would just add to the... Oh, I'm sorry. Were you saying, Tony? I was going to say, this is how uh, Scotty from Star Trek became so good at his job, because he used to talk about her. Uh, there's no way I can get you out of here in less than, you know, a fucking week or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he did it in an hour, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, was that Scotty or Miles O'Brien? Uh, Scotty, because Scotty told Miles, CC, this is the nerd in me. Scott, I believe Scotty once told Miles in some uh, Star Trek Next Generation to overestimate everything. Oh, or nice. maybe he told, um, maybe it wasn't Miles, he told, uh, what's this guy? Jo- Jordy LaForge. Oh, Jordy LaForge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's Scotty. Scotty is like a, a, a spiritual advisor to us all. <laughs> what would Scotty do? Right. You would overestimate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Um. So, all right. It's ten oh seven. So, I think we, you know, we're gonna jump into the the chat portion of the show where we really, you know, kind of get into what's what's been going on and what's popping. Um. My 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 first question uh, was in the chat portion. It's still a question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it at you, Joe. Um. It's, it's kind of a two part question, depending on. On where you're at, but we we had a new question that we introduced a while ago, which I think we've forgotten to do recently. But it's um, oh, I think I know what it is. Go on. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's the it's the like uh, you know which which transformer like speaks to you and which one are you? And the backup question, just in case you're not a trans, because not everyone is a, grew up on Transformers. So the backup question is: if you're not a Transformers fan, character in any work of fiction do you identify the most with? Is it which villain? Uh, any character. It could be a villain, but uh, I was just going to say uh, which character. But yeah, let's go with the villain. Let's let's, let's make it fun. Wait, oh, are, damn. You, are you I, are you a Transformers I, fan, Joe? No, I'm not a Transformers. Are fan. you a, are you a Transformers exclusionary feminist? All right, I'm stop. Oh no! I'm stop. I'm stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How do you kick someone off the chat? Next time we'll give you the power to do it. Next time we'll set you up for that. You're looking for the airlock. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve it. I deserve it. I'm sorry. Um, I, I asked if you said villain because the chat decided to like muffle whatever oh, word okay. it was you did say. I, but, I, I um, had character, but either way. Uh, yeah, whatever works for you. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> it's going to be a villain because you said that. Like, it's yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. going to be a villain. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't identify that hard with villains. I find them fascinating, but I don't think there's any villain that I would say, like, yeah, that's totally me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Now I know my question for next episode that you're on. But okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... Uh, the comics character I identify with most from the thing I've read most recently mm. or turn that around. Uh, the person I, the most recent person I identify with from a comic that I've read. Uh, and that is um, Grace from On a Sunbeam by Chili Walden. Have any of y'all that read that? The greatest shit. How the <laughs> hell 
How the hell Leo read it. Of course. you write that and draw that? She did that. She put out like an issue a month independently online. It's insane. She is a tireless workhorse. She is brilliant. Tilly Walton. So wait, what's the on, on a sun, sunbeam? Is that the title? Yes, on a sunbeam. If you go to onasunbeam.com, you can read the whole thing for free. It's also um, like I get why other web comics don't format themselves the way she formatted this one because uh, the format she went with uh, does not lend itself to advertising revenue at all. Uh, but she just wasn't gonna do ads, so she didn't care. Um, but this web, this format for posting a web comic is the easiest I've ever found to read, and I love yeah, her. This looks it. really cool. I'm that's how right that's now. that's how they used to do it on Girlomatic. I don't know if you recall or, or ever. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, I used to read on Girlomatic, but I didn't quite remember the format. That's really interesting. Yeah, they did it that style. And uh, like the th- the crazy thing about Tilly is that literally, like, I found her, and you should all follow her on Twitter. She's great. But I found her, and I was like, oh, this issue just came out, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then it was like, again, like literally, like three weeks later, she was like, okay, the second issue's out. I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you what you did all this? Like it's been a month. It's been less than a month, and she, yeah, like she, like burned through that story, and I was completely uh-huh. impressed. It's beautiful and great. It's really, really well done, and really, um, uh, like uh, how like, how would I describe it? It's very, um, it's very, it's very, it's very patient and thoughtful, and uh, and and super creative, and and kind of wackadoo at times. It's so good. It's so good. I yeah. can't. I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm, I'm going to close it so I don't get distracted. But it's it's very. I'll definitely. It is, it is very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. She's great. Yeah, uh, I guess for context for anyone who uh, hasn't read it, Grace is the. She's the love interest uh, in the comic for the main character. She is. Uh, well, first of all, the comic takes place in space. Uh, in a context i'm not sure has anything to do with our history it's unclear but um she is a uh black uh student uh she uh she sort of traveled from a very 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 long way away in space uh to go to this uh private school uh where she just sort of doesn't fit in she's very quiet um but she she's a very pragmatic person and she loves to read and write stories and she's just incredible and to tell you cooler details about her would be to spoil the story so y'all just need to go read it <laughs> big time that's cool. a good market marcus who is the comic book character that i most identify with <laughs> that you most identify with? <laughs> i feel like you can uh, we, we we've been friends for a long i'd have to wait, i have to you know what let me let, let me cook on that till next episode i'm gonna come back with you that. know the you know the answer to this oh. but okay all right Okay. Sp- Spider Jerusalem? Uh, I, I don't know. No. <laughs> oh, I fucking wish. No, no. <laughs> that would be inaccurate. That would be. No, no. Who is it? Who am I missing? I feel like we've had this conversation before, but it's Ray from Love and Rockets. Oh yeah, yeah. Ray, That's is, a good Ray, is, Ray is my guy. Yeah. Like every like every Ray story, I'm just like, God damn it! Like all and all his flaws too are like my flaws. Like I'm like, yeah, that's me. Fuck. <laughs> was it was it uh was it the I'm trying to think which collected volume really dove into Ray. The one of the, the one of the later was it, it was like the Rockets X, right? Or like the tenth tenth one? No, 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 X is the like original Beto story. No, it, like Ray, there's a really big Ray story in one of like the much like the ones the post uh Fantagraphic collections ones. Uh okay. 
um that's that's like a big a big ray story but overall like just like ray because you know he's like kind of like this old timer like looking at his youth but also like also pragmatic and kind of realistic and sometimes coarse but overall like a sweet guy okay yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I, I also see a little overlap with. I know. I don't think you've read it yet, but um, uh, the character Marcus in Deadly Class. A little bit. I've not read it. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? That's interesting. It's, it's not. It's not like you know exactly you, but I, I can see a little bit of it. Do you have a character named Leo that you identify with? <laughs> I know, right? That would be that would be crazy. <laughs> can we finish this Ouroboros? <laughs> or or uh, bring, this, bring this arc to, to you know full circle? Uh, Tony, answer because I know we've all answered this for Transformers, but Tony, did you answer? Right, this? yeah, Tony, what, what do you got? Am I am I asking? Am I still answering Transformers or right or I, I, we, haven't asked, one. we haven't asked you Transformers? No, you've never. Oh, asked okay, me. so both, so both, both. Okay, so I'm going to start with a comic character. One, it would definitely be Firestorm. And I know we've okay. talked about mm. my love for Firestorm, and yeah. a lot of that has to do with um, I'm a Gemini, and I always feel like I have a dual nature in me, and Firestorm's that appropriate, you know, two people who form one hero. Um, mm-hmm. One side is like a professor and is really smart. The other one is like a dumb as a box of rocks. Um, and, but yet they form this great hero. So I kind of feel like that's me. Okay. In some way, um, I've never thought about it that way until just now. But no, that's yeah, good. Say, that's really good. Um, that's great. As far as far as Transformers, man, I have a love of Transformers. It really would depend um, by a star screen because he's such an asshole, <laughs> and I love it. Um, <laughs> I just, I just love it. It's he, just you know, like, he's an asshole that gets what? things done. I, I guess they gets things exactly. And yeah, okay, you know, he bit the big one. You know, whatever, but. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, you know what? It actually makes sense. Why don't we just kill the Autobots instead of pretending like we're going to? You know, I think that that yeah. is his thing. So I'm going to just stick with Starscream for now. That, that's why, like, every time he starts on one of his cockamamie schemes, there's always Decepticons that follow him because it makes sense. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's actually do that. <laughs> it's like he always has like people in the squad because even though That's he's right. ridiculous, they're like, "Yeah, why don't we do that?" Okay, all right, Megatron, we're just gonna do this little thing where you're not looking. Like we're gonna see where this goes. All right, you're, you're blowing my mind because you know what? This brings it back to a point that I brought up previously. I think uh, that Megatron like really displays a, a lack of judgment, and I think even in what he transforms into, like. He's a guy that has a big cannon on his arm, and he turns into a smaller gun that someone else has to hold. So, I mean, I think just that right there displays a, a lack of good judgment. So I could see how, you know, he'd be primed. See, but all, all I'm saying is, is that he's a guy who has a cannon on his arm, and he's like one of the, he's like the worst shot. I wonder who shoots worse. Megatron, Stormtroopers, or Cobra? I'm not sure, no. but it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, Co- Cobra is, is worse than Stormtroopers because they've no. never killed anybody. On a quantity basis, like Cobra has shot more lasers and killed less people than like almost anybody. Yeah, Stormtroopers have gotten have killed some people at the Yeah, day. they've hit some Ewoks, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean when Stormtroopers also kinda have the excuse of like, oh well, they're shooting at people with the force. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly. that's true. true. Yeah, like that's true. No, yeah. Megatron's gun oh. never hit shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he, no, no, he never I mean I, that that was more Hasbro than anything though, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, with the stormtroopers, funny thing, like, oh, I'm sorry. What's up, Joe? Oh, I was just going to remind Leo, I wrote in my notes something about crying. (laughs) You wanted to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's your point. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So 
I, I guess specifically, I wanted to know what are like your big, uh, somewhat recent, doesn't have to be of 2017 specifically. What were your like recent cry movies? Because I always have my cry movies. What are like, what, what's something, if you're someone who cries a lot, has that happened in a theater or in your living room while watching a movie of late? Oh my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there are three things. Uh, there's one I might not mention because it'll be really controversial. Uh, but, uh, was it was it Baby Driver? No, it wasn't Baby Driver. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be controversial. People like Baby Driver. <laughs> It'd be weird to cry at Baby Driver. <laughs> it would be legitimately odd, but okay. All right. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I cried at the end of Stranger Things 2. And uh, have you seen? Have y'all seen yeah, it? Yes. I actually yes, I I see that. I really yeah, like it. Too. What, I haven't what, seen the second season. In was it? Years. Was it like? Was it Happy Cry? Was it like because like David Harbour and the and, and Winona Ryder are back together? Maybe or what was it? What was it in the? I like okay, and this made me cry with like a like a fierce sorrow that affected me for days. Mm-hmm. I cried when um, Dustin got embarrassed at the dance and sat on the bleachers to cry. Oh, oh stop it! Yo, no, that did get me. I tears did not come, but that did like because if you don't know what that feels like, like oh my god, stop like, it. you're uh, not my, you're not my friend, probably. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like you pretty much have to be my friend to know what that feels like. I blocked that out of my memory. Yeah, I forgot about that. that. No, that whole that whole scene, that whole overall scene is yeah, yeah. yeah. That was real. That was real shit. Yeah, that. That just like KO'd me completely. I died. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other big cry I had was while watching uh, what is now one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, which is Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, I yeah, yeah. love Spider Man Homecoming. Me too. I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I uh, cried during the scene when he was. Um, Actually, two times. I cried when Tony Stark yelled at him and took his suit. Mm. <laughs> Damn that, Tony. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, when, uh, yeah, when he was just like, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. I was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, then when uh, Peter Parker was stuck under the rubble and he oh, yeah, yes. Yo, yo, I like, I just rewatched that movie for the second time and right. like that scene is fucking intense. Like yeah, I want to yo. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely cuz it it basically it was mirroring like a famous panel, but the thing about about seeing it in this incarnation that was so intense is I mean, number one, Tom Holland like sounds and looks like a kid. Yeah, he's yeah. like a yeah. child so, yeah. like buried yeah. in rubble and it's horrifying. Right. Like, I feel like when it happened in the comics, he was at the very least like a young adult. He wasn't like a, you know, like a 15 year old. And, right. you know, and it just was really and like, yeah, the way he played it, it was. You it's know, visceral. His performance in that scene specifically. Like, I, I didn't remember that from when I saw it in the theater. But like, I, it definitely stood out when I saw it the second time. I was like, whoa, shit. I loved it so much. Um, I think that that scene was when I knew this this is one of my favorite films. Um, and like, like it, it feels weird to say, uh, but 
like it, it kind of feels weird to have a superhero film as one of my favorite films. And I feel like that's just like my my internalized nerd shame <laughs> being like, oh, but, you know, this isn't a serious movie. It's about superheroes. But it's like, no, that doesn't matter. But um, it's one of my favorite films because I feel like Spider-Man Homecoming is like one of the purest, most specific examples of my exact taste in stories and what I want to get across and and sort of distilled that's this concept of young people in very complicated situations who are shown to have to be capable to be strong to be smart uh and to be able to sort of learn and grow while overcoming these challenges but never shying away from the fact that this is still a child is this still a vulnerable person right. and being very real about the emotional impact of what this child is dealing with? No, that that's so accurate. And I mean, like, it, again, rewatching it, like st- other stuff jumped out at me. And like one of those types of scenes is after the ATM scene where like he goes to like save the bodega cat and like check on the dude. Mm-hmm. Like I found like I thought that was like really awesome and special because, again, that was like. It, the 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 movie which is like i mean if you read snow days is obviously one of my favorite topics and ideas is this concept of like of like young people being adults yeah the, because like because young people know how to be adults and have seen people be adults and can sort of ape that and can sometimes even legitimately get there and that entire like struggle and friction is like really really uh important to me to like experience in a story it's something that like i know from my own like upbringing and that i connect with on a in a way that that that's sort of different than if he was 20 years old right there is something really important about his youth and that about how much he tries how much he suffers how much like it hurts him when he can't do the thing like that that shit really does get get totally into my into my heart and yeah i don't think i think arm of the film when i me as much until seeing it again well, I, I don't know if everyone else, if you cut out, but can you can you say that again? Because we we lost you for a second. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Like, what did I cut out at? Uh, just just like the last. You hit the fade. Sentence. It's like you're fading. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Can you hear me now? I think she kicked. Yeah. yeah it sounds like she kicked you out the airlock. So. <laughs> oh, you know how to do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just like just like the idea of of like young people figuring out how to be adults by like either aping the adults they know and then uh or or maybe actually getting there in like a really legitimate way is something that like i connect with deeply that i wasn't sure about in terms of the new spider-man when i watched it in the theater because i was so like kind of thrown by the humor of it like i think it's Mm. a super entertaining movie it's just fun to watch and hilarious like i laughed through the whole movie um and then when i saw it again like in my house i was like oh shit like this is like really this is um, realer than i even like predicted and yeah. it's because of that stuff it's done it's done really well and like holland pulls it off so well like so uh it, it's a it's a it's a significant performance he's 100 percent my favorite spider-man without oh, yeah. even yeah yeah, yeah no, no contest yeah 100 percent yeah yeah and and also like you know the uh you know zendaya and and uh liz, liz allen um, i'm forgetting the actress's name but like they just I, I feel like the whole entire cast, number one, you really yeah. bought that they were kids. This wasn't one of the classic, you know, for, for those of us from the Right, like the twenty-five year olds playing high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. It's true. Yeah, yeah. 
and 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 I felt like they went to a real high school. You know what I mean? In New York, yeah, City. yeah. You know I mean? Everything about that movie was definitely screened New York. Yep. You know what I mean? The part that always got me that when he's in Long Island, he can't like web any of the buildings. That's my yeah. favorite joke in the whole movie. No, I used to think about that as a kid. Screaming, yeah. screaming every time I see it. I was dying. I was dying. That's the best joke in that movie. Yeah. That's that's a joke only New Yorkers will get. Yeah. <laughs> Even even yeah. comic readers though, I remember they would always show him like you know leaving Aunt May's house, and he would just magically have some his webs attached to something. Right, like it's going, <laughs> it's going at a, a zeppelin flying around the angle. Yeah. yeah, it's hitting something apparently, and it was the yeah. same with video games too. Like you could like web everywhere in yeah, yeah. Spider-Man games, and it was like no, you can't. Like it's fucking it's Flushing Meadow Park. Like you're, <laughs> you're not webbing shit. Like you're gonna web the fucking the the Earth. <laughs> That's it. That's all you're getting. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to also say that I, uh, I I had two thoughts about the. Uh, are we going into spoilers here? Is this a spoiler? Absolutely. Okay. For, All right. Spider Man. Um, Yo, y- y'all listen to Black Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've talked Spider Man. Yeah, 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 you're good. You're good. Okay. Um, well, I had uh, two feelings about it when they revealed that uh, uh, the Vulture was Liz's dad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, my one feel or my first feeling was, this is great, and I guess it only works because people are racist. <laughs> wow! wow. Oh, and it, that, that brings it back to your comic, even. <laughs> like this reveal works because people see a black girl and they're just like, "I know what your parents look like." Right, right, right. No, it's oh your, your dad is obviously Lawrence Fishburne. Obviously. Obviously. Um, Eric LaSalle. <laughs> my second feeling about it was, oh my God, there were two mixed race black girls in this movie and they look <laughs> different from each other. Yep. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very, That's very true as well. Just a, a little a little nod to like both representation and like how genes work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, very true. Very true. I loved MJ. You know, people criticize that like MJ was like bullshit in it or like she was whatever. I'm like, yo, they're just setting the stage. All right. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I thought she was great. Are you kidding? Yeah, me? I loved her in it. I like, and I was like, okay, she wasn't a main character. Like that was the whole, that, that's how it is right now. That's why it was special. Like, it's like, you just get a little taste of her and like, she's great. And I, no, I totally loved it, but I've no, I've seen that criticism. People are like, "Oh, she's like whatever in it," or like she's like just like a. It's like she's a joke factory in it. She's really just like a punchline in it. And I'm like, kinda. But but you know what? To me, in the the last scene, I mean, it because you you could look at that initially maybe as like, oh, you know, she's there for comic relief, but. I think that she really they, they revealed that there's there's layers to her. Even yeah, when she yeah. was like um, you know, when Peter was going up to rescue everyone, she was like, My friends are up there. It was like all pretense of the the disaffected girl, you know what I mean, who's just right. like a, a wisecracker and like isn't isn't really doesn't really care about anything was dropped because right. like, you saw who she really was. And I think that that's cool and layered and and even just mirrors the the whole history of MJ maybe as being somebody who's you know, life through a lot of, of, of things that, and she's got her coping mechanisms. So. I, yeah, and I also want to say, I think what was really, what really hit home, I think it's really, really nuanced, was the fact that everybody went to D.C. for an 
academic decathlon, whatever the hell that was. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nobody in his circle was stupid. Sure, he still got bullied, <laughs> mm-hmm. but nobody was dumb. Now, even Flash, even, even for, Flash. for whatever yeah. he yeah. was, he yeah. still made that team. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it wasn't one of those those classic stories of, well, I'm the smart guy and the jock is beating me up. We oh, saw yeah. no jocks. These were all like nerds, but different, like in a, in a hierarchical sense. It's great. Oh, yeah. This was my favorite Flash, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, he's, so, he's so good. So good. Yeah. No, and then, no, and then and then even like the like, you know, one thing is like, I don't know, uh, a young person who's a superhero who like, you know, doesn't get to doesn't get to specifically go to a party or doesn't get to go to like eat pizza with some people. But, you know, Peter was so serious about his shit that like he skipped hanging out with his crush in a bikini. Like, <laughs> well, they're all just kind of like kind of running out of their hotel rooms to go do that, which is probably like against the rules of whatever fac- the faculty that was there. Right. And it's like he bailed on that. I was like, yo, this dude is like legitimately a hero. that's when you knew (laughs) yeah i was like okay like if that is not keeping you because you want to like save the city then okay all right (laughs) same with you yeah yeah man wow yeah yeah no it's i want to go watch it again this weekend I want to watch it literally after having this conversation because we're. <laughs> yeah, we should just live tweet it. We just live tweet it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, actually, for real. for real. No, we totally, we totally should. Yeah, um, I saw it recently for the third time, and it's just it holds up. I don't like usually if I rewatch a movie, I'm like, oh, I didn't notice how much that sucked the first time, but there's nothing <laughs> with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> stands it it stands it and, it and it's frustrating and we can stop talking about spider-man but it's frustrating to me because i feel like after thor ragnarok came out everyone forgot about spider-man and like, oh. I'm, like I'm like thor ragnarok is great but let's not sleep like yeah 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 homecoming homecoming is that we didn't expect such a good thor movie i know <laughs> I mean, the, the other first two were just garbage but this one was just like wait a minute i know that's good I know that I feel like that threw people off and it's like, that's the comic book movie everyone talks about like for 2017. And it's like, let's not sleep. Like, come on. I, I have a Thor hot take. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh okay. Yes. let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'd love to hear it. Uh, my, my hot take about Thor Ragnarok is that the plot was just as boring and pointless as every other Thor movie. But this time, it was saved by being a series of comedy sketches while right. that boring plot was unfolding. Oh, you're utterly correct. No, they didn't. <laughs> the, plot, the plot is nothing. It's just the character in it. Like, it's the right. character like expressed by the different performers and the. No, it's a, it's a it's a like rompy like like weird kind of thing. And I don't even I don't, maybe too long. I don't even know. Like it it. It really navigates itself pretty well in like staying really funny throughout while like raising stakes. It's well, it's really fucking well done, and, yeah, it, it, yeah. and it is legitimately funny. Like I, I laughed as much if not more at, at Thor than I did at Spider Man when I saw it in the theater. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, like, it, oh it yeah. Is, like, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, no, big time. I mean, but if and you it, also look at the, if you also look at the breadth of superhero movies from last year. That one was just as different as everything. We started off with Logan, then we had Wonder Woman, yeah. then we had Spider-Man, then we had, and they were all different, and they were all good, but just they were all different. And I, yeah, I, I appreciated that. Yeah, like Justice League. <laughs> uh, 
Was I finishing your sentence, Tony? Is that what <laughs> no, 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 no. Notice I didn't say just a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that a few days ago and did you Jesus Christ? <laughs> Uh, All I'll say is Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm, I'm still gonna see it. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll brave it. It's got to be better than BBS, right? Uh, oh yeah. Well, oh, yeah. oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Better than BBS, absolutely. Is it? Spoiler okay. alert: People have personalities in this one. <laughs> Some people have too much personality. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely better than BBS. Okay. All right. Cool. I, mean, that, but I think I think you touched on something though, Tony. Is that like um, some of the best superhero ones are the ones that are they're like you know a genre film or or something that like you know isn't just a, exists outside of a superhero formula, you know? Yeah, because yeah. and I like Logan definitely was that. Logan know. was certainly that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, no, and Logan, like, Logan fucked me up. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was not expecting that. I yeah. I can't. I mean. Let me t- and again, this is going to be spoiler. But if you haven't seen Logan, Benton, whatever, they've all seen Logan. I've never se- to see Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing, excuse me. That's the director's cut. No, Patrick Ewing as Professor X. Wait, wait a minute. Yo, <laughs> but you know what? That, that would mean Georgetown would win games, and I don't want to do that. I don't want that to happen. So to see Patrick Stewart in that way, some some. That, it just it, it fucked me up. That was I've cool. seen him. Yeah, I've yeah. seen him as you know, growing up in Star Trek, and to see this person play this the fragile Professor X that he was, right. and then for the, for him to go out like that, that fucked me up. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. That was that was unexpected. I'll be honest. I have to see Logan again because I saw it like near the beginning of the year, and I did I did really mm. enjoy it. Even though I like I think Mark Millar should literally suck Spike Dicks and hell out. <laughs> um, but I but like that but that movie which is the loosest of of, of basings on his on his uh, yeah loosest very loose, loose. like very it's loose. really a different thing. Um, yeah, no, that movie did super surprised me super yeah. uh get under my skin and patrick stewart like was a big part of that um it, it it's 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 almost like that movie was a better send-off for that character than like that film cycle deserved yes absolutely <laughs> there's no there's absolutely. nothing in that film cycle that built up to something of that of that that yeah. significance um yeah. do you think do you think logan has a shot at an oscar because it's been getting talked about a little bit. I think it would be you know nice. I, I mean, the Oscars are such a, a you know... No, they're total bullshit. I'm not, give, <laughs> I'm not giving them some, like, great... I'm not giving them any, any, any great standing by, by saying that. But I've heard some people kind of murmuring about it. And, like, I do think that, like, there's stuff in there that that bullshit could even attach to. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I do think that it holds water as a great film. You know, as something as has all the drama, it gets in your feelings. You know, there are things that you're not you're you're just not used to seeing. And the fact that it's R rated means that they can do things that you, they couldn't normally do. If this was a PG thirteen film, it would be it would be a piece of shit. But the right. fact is, is that they really went the other way with this. You know, and looking at at Logan as a dad, what kind of dad would he be? You know what I mean? And then it was just. It was very interesting, and I think it, it hit home on, a, on so many levels. So I think, no, I don't think it has a shot at being an Oscar, but I do think that it holds its water 
with the rest of the nominees. Hmm. I gotta, I gotta watch it again. I, I think, I think it does. I, yeah, I think it could like fight in the ring with like some of yeah. the some of the ones that are beloved right now, or that people, are, you know, saying like you know, fucking Love Bird or whatever the hell. Don't get me started on moves. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want. I want to. Can I talk about something totally yeah, yeah, randomly and, and out of order? Um, I played a really, really excellent early 2018 video game that I want to talk about. That's coming out next week. No, um, and it is a it is a game called the Red Strings Club, okay. and I'm gonna have a review on on BGN probably on Monday, um, and it's a Devolver game, and it's a it's a it's an it's a graphic adventure game done in the style of like the old Lucas Arts like point and click adventure games, mm-hmm. um, and it's a sci- sci-fi cyberpunk thing where for most of the game you play a gay bartender who works at a club called the Red Strings Club, and he has a kind of spirit that helps him mix the perfect drink for his patrons that come in, which helps them open up and speak to him. And then like you get information and the bartender is a kind of information broker in the cyberpunk world. And you kind of uncovered this like huge conspiracy involving androids and uh, like government control and, 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 and this kind of like system where the government may want to like control people's emotions. And it was absolutely wonderful brilliantly fucking written um has like characters of many different sexual orientations and gender identifications that was clearly from the jump part of that game's you know uh uh, outline it was like we're gonna put these people in our game and make them interesting they're gonna be fully fleshed out characters that is very obviously like on the design docs of that game playing it you're like yes that no nobody's shoehorned in it's all super or organic and beautiful and just just an absolute joy it only takes and i don't know this will probably be like a criticism in a lot of like you know reviews it takes it took me being pretty patient with it about three hours to play it which is very short for a game and i think it's releasing for ten dollars with a discount but if whatever i just said sounds at all interesting to you and even if you're not a like a twitch gamer it's a it's not an action game it is very much an adventure point and click style game i cannot recommend this game and the world that it creates enough it was absolutely amazing. The Red Strings Club. I got an advanced copy. Please purchase it if that if anything that I said sounds remotely interesting because it was it was great. It was moving. It made me to tell you the truth, it made me think about my own politics. Oh. Like it really did. And what, what console what console did you play that on? On PC. Um I don't I think it's on PC only to start, but I'm sure it'll be thrown on other things later. But for P- PC, it's PC Mac Linux, I think, is the is the, okay. is the original release. Yeah, the Red Strings Club. Check it out. Ooh. Well, I'm interested. Yeah, I, I really, really recommend it. Uh, have you played uh, Read Only Memories? Uh, I actually have read-only memories on my PSP Vita, and I have played through about two and a half hours of it, um, but I'm not done with it. it read-only memories is great. Read-only memories is like super inspired by the, the old Sega CD game Snatcher, that Hideo Kojima adventure game, um, and it's like there's so many like little references to Snatcher and stuff. But no, like like Mini Boss, those guys are the bomb. I love those guys. And I, the only thing I don't like about that game, honestly, I don't. Know, I'm gonna ask you what platform you played it on. I, I'm not crazy about the voice acting in it. I could do without it. I'm fine with the text. I don't need the voice acting. 
Huh. Yeah, the voice acting kind of like. But again, I, like I grew up with like point and click LucasArts adventure games with no voice acting. Like, so maybe that's just me. But I'm well, not... I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember voices. Are we talking about the same game? It's a, that is... was that was part of the update. It came. Oh, out... okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't originally in the game. No. Okay. Well, I I didn't experience the voices at okay, all. Good. Good. No, I don't. <laughs> I specifically don't like them. And it's sad because they like really worked hard on them. And I'm like, that's great. I'm just going to turn this off. <laughs> turn off your very expensive voices that you put into the newest edition of this game. Um, yeah. That, all right, you, you're a gamer, Joe. Have we never talked about this? Oh, oh, I'm not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination. You're okay, you just I am, I am I am game curious. Uh, <laughs> game curious. I love that. So many layers. I, love I have that. I have played video games, uh, but not to the extent that I would call myself a gamer. Uh, like right now, I'm uh, almost done with Legend of Dragoon, which is a wow. yeah, a PS1, a PS1 game. RPG game. I remember that. Yeah. Legend of Dragoon. Are you kidding? That came on like, I want to <laughs> say two discs. I think that was a two disc game. It's a four disc game. Four disc. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah, no, that was four like two discs. Remember those games? Oh, I've also started uh, not religiously, but like occasionally watching professional Overwatch League uh, live. So <laughs> uh, I'm a big Overwatcher. That's my game. See, I haven't played the actual game, but I watch people play it professionally. So I'm very, I'm very game adjacent. I like, no, I like, it. I like it. No, and and Ram is really good. Like, and again, like those guys are fantastic. That 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 make it. The people that make that game are. are are awesome and i see them at like any games kind of go to and they're very sweet um and and it's uh yeah it's a game that like really anchors on its writing and its writing is excellent yeah definitely um yeah just anyone listening who wants to check out the red string club it uh sounds like it's kind of in a same like representation category at least as read-only memories so y'all can look into that too it certainly is it's it's more uh, like it's more serious than read-only memories um yeah. it, like it is like a pretty intense like cyberpunk drama include like there's a scene in the game that involves uh talking to someone who's considering suicide oh. so it, it, has, it has quite a serious tone but it's just it's just a total delight and and um and if your game's adjacent <laughs> Please play this game. You will love this game. I know you will. You will love this game. <laughs> so good. So good. So um, just a couple of quick things. Um, Black Lightning. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't Marcus and Tony have. All right. Let's hear it, guys. Let's hear it. I'm not. It's because it just came out. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But I will say that this is the blackest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and, and before that, it was, it was uh, Luke Cage, but this right. tops it. And I don't this see... This tops it. Luke Cage. Yeah. Was... Well, you know, I, I think it's as black as Luke Cage, but it's in a different... Well, yeah, you might, be, you might be right. We need it's a blackness made... meter, apparently. <laughs> exactly. But the reason I say that is that, you know, we've only seen Luke Cage for however many episodes, and mm. we knew that when you watch it, probably halfway through, you're like, eh, I'm not so sure about the story. But I, I think that as it stands right now, Black Lightning is better than every season in Arrow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. it's got so much depth, so much nuance. I mean, there's so many things happening. And it's basically, I don't, 
did you recall seeing any white people? I didn't even, I don't even remember. <laughs> and you know, it didn't they, even they, matter they were, because it was They dope. were there, but you know what? I, I think the characters of consequence, uh, you know, oh, yeah, were, the police were black. Were, my yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And even even the the like chief of police dude was was a black dude, and yeah. and the, and that complicated things in a very interesting way. You Absolutely. know, Absolutely. I'm, again, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil either. Um, I definitely recommend everyone, you know, go find a device and see it if you haven't. Um, just a, a few thoughts I had is that like, yes, I definitely have written down how unapologetically black it was. <laughs> also, just like, yo, they. They opened the show with Nina Simone's version yep. of Strange mm-hmm. Fruit. Yep. Like, oh. Strange Fruit alone, but then Nina's version, you know, and uh, it, it really, um, it figured very directly into where they were going, you know, in the in the early minutes of the show. Um, they, they jumped into some social commentary very early on. And, you know, it was really interesting. I, as I was watching, and it's, it's no fault of the show or the execution, but... I was like, oh man, all right, they're really getting into into social stuff on the CW. Oh. Are they gonna are they gonna mess this up? You know, are they gonna be too heavy handed or or whatever or not or lack nuance? But no, I think there was a lot of nuance, and I think the show owes a lot of that to what Tony was speaking about, which is the fact that like almost everyone is black, and because of and which is you know because of that, like when you don't have just like this is the one black character. We've talked about this many times, but you're you're allowed to really have have layers. You're allowed to have people of you know varied with varied interests, varied uh, you know, just personalities, etc. And and I think that it really made for a really rich experience. So like I I was I was very, very happy with this episode. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more. Absolutely. It was refreshing to see a a character that one, you really didn't have they didn't really go into an origin story, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was dope. Um but the fact that he is and this is not really a spoiler, but he's a, a principal of a school, um, is amazing. You know what I mean? Because then it's, it provides a different layer. I mean, you know, again, you have he's not the rich socialite. You know, he's not a a, 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 a a crime scene investigator or a reporter. He is a principal. He works at a school for black kids. I mean, that's, right. to me, that's just, it's it's so refreshing. You know what I mean? And to see the the complications that may arise mm-hmm. from that. Yes, yes. Is, is just so different. You know what I mean? It's not like anything we've really seen uh, on TV. So, and I know there's, you know, black love interest. You've got very dark skin tones. It's, it's, it's something that I would, I would definitely suggest and we should get into uh, in a later show uh, yeah. when, when people have seen it. it, know it one, yeah, absolutely. And one, one other thing I would add to it, which is connected to what you're, you're speaking about is, um, you know, whereas in other, other comic books and comic book uh, movies, the, the character's family is maybe secondary and maybe mm-hmm. it's it's something mm-hmm. that's there just to add angst and have people that are possible kidnapping victims yeah. like <laughs> this this uh his family like is is central and his um role as a father like supersedes his role as a superhero um yeah. you know i mean without spoiling i i would say it's the thing that brings him out of superhero retirement is you know his um his love for his, his, his children. Um, I won't say how it, they arrive at that point, but I, my point is that like family and this, you know, black family in particular is, is central to this show. And the, um, the, 
the the women of the show are you know very they're, they're i think they're well done i think they have agency and i think that um you know we we see their varied perspectives and that oh, they're, yes. they're allowed to be you know fully fleshed out characters now, um, am i thinking of something else or is does he have a queer daughter um i mean he might but i don't it, it didn't figure into this episode one way or the, the other show, yeah. like if, yeah. if that's the case you know that wasn't um that wasn't explored if, if okay that's the case. yeah that there were a lot of things that were explored they didn't really they got into some of the, the the daughters but they didn't really get into it to know their 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 personality traits and, and their um and what it is that they're into too much i think they, they did a little bit more for the younger daughter but not the mm-hmm. two older ones again assuming that he has three um but I have a feeling they're going to get into all of that. Oh yeah, yeah. very very soon. It, yeah. It's a family show, so I think we're yeah. going to hear a lot more about the yeah. daughters. Marcus, can I steal your acronym that you just invented? Uh, Cock, which stands for Characters of Consequence. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I purloin that for my? Own? I, I think we can add it to the sure. list of sure. un- uncomfortable <laughs> phrases that you. <laughs> so we're going to just segue. <laughs> uh, a couple of things that uh, I think that came out. Um, it, it's, it's a hard O. Oh, it, it, it's hope. It's a, oh. <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> oh. <laughs> The mid-season Star Wars Rebel trailer came out today, if anybody's interested in that. Um, this oh, is man. the final season of Star Wars Rebels. And it is it, shit's about to happen. So I'm worried. Are you worried, man? <laughs> like I don't know, but man. They, like, they they all just about who makes it, man. I'm, people I'm, people die on that show, right? Oh yeah, they um, they, they do. But I, we we have a feeling that it's going to be Rogue One style by the time this thing is over. Yeah, it's just um, salty earth. Everybody's everybody's going out. It has been revealed that um, Ian McDermott has reprised his role as uh, the Pal- Palpatine, Palpatine Emperor Palpatine. So. Um, yes, the Emperor will be there, which is going to be crazy. So there's that. Uh, also, was also announced that there are eight more episodes of Castlevania coming out in the summer. Yeah, if you baby. have not seen Castlevania. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, I'm ready for that too. Yeah, I really enjoyed Castle. Yeah, I enjoyed Castlevania. Castlevania is good. And then, what am I hearing? Uh, Watchmen TV series. What's uh, that? Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I put that on there just because I was curious about about, <laughs> about Joe's opinion in particular because we spoke about Alan Moore last time. Um, but yeah, I, the, yeah. I didn't hear about this? Is it the the original? The original. So graphic? yeah. So all right. So this is the thing. Apparently, it's a uh, an HBO series. It got greenlit for a pilot, and as well as I think some subsequent episodes. So it looks like it's going to actually be a series, and. Um, it's not completely clear, at least as far as what I've read. I mean, there could have been, you know, how the news cycle goes. But at least as far as what I read, it's not clear if whether or not it's going to be, um, you know, a, directly dealing with the 12 issues of the original series or if it's going to go off in its own direction or, you know, pre or after. There was speculation that it is going to deal with the main series um, because uh, who's the who's the showrunner? It's, um you know, from... from uh, uh, the leftovers. Uh, yes. Uh, what's his name? Lin, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever his name is. Yeah, Damon. Let me, let me look at it. Let me look. It's um. Lindelof. 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 Yes. Yeah. That he that he um had spoken specifically about the relevance of the original series. So I so people took that to speculate that 
that's what he's going to largely be dealing with. But anyway, yeah, I just was curious about everyone's thoughts about like, you know, exploring Watchmen and specifically as a series. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Joe, jo, what do you think? I think that when something is as good as Watchmen was, I don't want it touched. I just want yeah. it to, I just want it to exist in its fully realized awesome form mm. and to just leave it at that <laughs> because I, I feel that. like, like I'm always scared of watching things like that or reading things like that. Like the new Watchmen comics that they've been doing just because oh, yeah, yeah. I'm mm. like, um, I was like, I was perfectly satisfied with what I got out of Watchmen. I didn't ask for this. Uh, there was nothing I felt was missing. Uh, so I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going to do with this. And do I want to spend the time finding out? Right. No, I mean, you, 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 I, yeah, totally you, agree, you raise totally. a really good point in that, like, I do, I do feel that um, even beyond this particular series and this particular property, I feel like um, there are certain things that really exist best in a medium. One example I've spoken about is Saga. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm happy that, that they don't, the creators yeah. of Saga don't want it to be adapted because I, I think that it no, needs I don't want to it exist. Yeah, it needs to be a comic. It, it works best as a comic. And I think yeah. you, you would lose something if you tried to translate it. But um, yeah, with Watchmen, it's, it's my feelings on it, I, I think are somewhat similar to yours, Joe. I, I interestingly enough, wouldn't have minded this as a series. I'm still going to watch it, but, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's interesting because I, like when they were um, getting ready to launch the Zack Snyder version, which, you know, we've talked about the last time you were on, I think is, is probably the best you could have done in movie form in adapting that. But, um, you know, I, I think I, I always said that like Watchmen would probably work best as a trilogy. Like, you know, you maybe take like four of the mm, books, okay. divide up, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, you, you yeah, end up with yeah. 12. Okay. Um, but that honestly, when, when Watchmen first dropped, that was before like, you know, a lot of these comic book shows or even just shows in general really started showing that you could tell a long movie like arc in a season, you know? Yeah. So, so now that we're in that era, it's just interesting that they kind of caught up to that after there already has been an adaptation. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm somewhat intrigued just because I feel like format wise that a season of HBO lends itself to, to Watchmen adaptation. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they, they did already do it in recent memory. Yeah, I don't oh, yeah. Are, are, isn't it weird that like I mean, there's there's too many fucking period pieces right now. And it's like being <laughs> Watchmen would be a period piece on HBO and like i'm that's fine i'm done. i don't need to again return to you know the 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 birthplace of civil rights america and like see like uh, you know abject abject racism we have plenty of our own like modern racism to continue. that actually was a point that was one of the points that lindelof brought up was that like the point we're at you know makes some of that some of the themes of the the comic relevant so i don't i don't know if he plans to make it modern day or what but Mm. So no. here's the thing, you know, HBO can and has been really good in their mm. shows. You know, yeah. when I think about stuff like Westworld, I'm absolutely blown away. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean, Game of Thrones is good, even though it has its ups and downs. I'm very mixed you know, on both of those properties, but right. <laughs> but what I'm specifically going to refer to is True Blood. 
So True Blood is something that, you know, I believe has its own book and, and format, was good for like maybe the first three seasons and then turned to complete shit. <laughs> and I'm afraid that this is something that could happen with The Watchmen because, you know, a lot of these showrunners, they want to be different from the comic book, very much like The Walking Dead. Well, we want to be like the comic book, but we want to be different. You know what I mean? And then, you know, however many seasons later, you can't stop whatever it is. You can't stop the train, mm. you know? And I agree. It, it shouldn't be, t- it shouldn't even be touched now as, as DC is exploring this ridiculous notion about Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a ridiculous notion. And the fact is that Dr. Manhattan will kill everybody if written correct, not even written correctly, written poorly, he would still kill them. <laughs> right. So, it's just a matter of just leave it alone. The people who read it at the time it was a great postmodern work. You know what I mean? Just let it let it be. You know, no one yeah. no one asked for it. I not don't, even Alan Moore asked for it. No, oh, well, especially Alan not Alan Moore. Moore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alan Moore doesn't want anything to happen with anything except pay him. Like that's uh, his whole that's his whole philosophy. But no, like no, I'm like and I and I'm with you, Marcus. Um, uh, uh, Dy in the chat was actually uh, mentioning Black Girl Nerds writer, Ruba Subdai, um, was saying that, like, the movie adapted Washington well and did a good job changing the ending. That's my perception 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think that's the... I don't think it's a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's the best we could do given, hey, you have to make a film version of this entire story. And I don't need to see it again. It's fine. The comic's still here. We can read the comic when we want it. I've read it a million times. I'm sure we all have. We don't there's no need for that to be expanded into a miniseries at all. Um, I think you'll disagree with me, Leo, but I think that my one, uh, like the one thing that would get me excited about hearing that Watchmen is being adapted to television, like let's say it was being adapted into like a miniseries or something. Mm -hmm. If uh, I heard that the team executing it was the same team that did Legion. Okay. 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 We can't have a three-hour show. No. Yeah. Like I will talk about Legion for like forty-five minutes. In fact, if you were going to talk about crying, I might talk about Legion. Right. We, we should have Wait, a Legion Leo, podcast. Leo, do you like Legion? I love Legion. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah me, me too. Oh, I me was too. thinking. Okay. I heard so. I heard an old episode, and I thought that you didn't like Legion, but I think no. That, that was Thelonious. 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 You heard an episode of Leo and I like like trying to convert. <laughs> Thelonious. No, no, it was hilarious because I was like, yo, Thelonious, let's talk about Legion this episode because I love it and you hate it. And then I was like, yo, Thelonious, what's the deal with Legion? He's like, it sucks. And I'm like, no. I'm like, yeah, but what about Blase Blah? And he's like, it sucks. I'm like, all right, great radio. We're really making some shit here. No, I no, I no, I love Legion and I like Legion, I think is like for a TV show, for a TV series, I think was one of the most like emotionally resonant shows i've ever seen and i fell the fuck into that and there's a bunch of moments in that show that like really really cut me um oh man that show is really special i did that's until now and i don't know we'll see what was black lightning until now and this is not a popular opinion that's my favorite comic book tv adaptation when when is it supposed to come back actually uh this year i'm not sure when but this year um yeah legion is my Favorite superhero adaptation, period, outside really? of a comic okay. book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. That was, that was uh, 
that was 100% true until home uh, or Spider-Man Homecoming. Now it's like, uh, they're very, di- they're very different. They're very different. Right, right. Yeah, uh, no, totally, totally. They're, they're both up there for me. Um, Legion is also one of my favorite television shows that I've ever seen, period. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it very much, it goes back to what we were talking about, about when like a comic book, quote unquote, story really just supersedes that genre, you know, and is just right. kind of its, its own thing. And yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Oh, it's it's so special. I I like no, I I adored Legion. I really, really, I and I and I wasn't I wasn't sure about it, and I was vexed about it at various points. But in the end, like I loved it. Also, it gave us like one of our absolute best TV uh, First Nations characters ever. I mm-hmm. love that gal so. Oh much. my god, she's so yeah. good. I thought of her earlier when uh, Tony, you were talking about Firestorm because I thought, mm-hmm. oh, the Carries are kind of like reverse Firestorm. Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. true. Right. right. Uh, uh, but you guys are giving me too much stuff to go back and watch. I know. I need to. <laughs> Now that we're talking about it, I'm probably going to rewatch Legion like this weekend or next week, like because I haven't seen it again since. And yeah. no, like it, like it really, it really struck me. I also thought it was like a, a super interesting, uh, just depiction of, like, of like a str- struggling with mental illness mm. in an unexpected way, uh, and. And and I mean like okay like to to harken back to our our conversation about crying, um, I did actually get. Uh, tears came out when uh, they in, in a late episode they have the conversation where like they're having their you know like sex in his head like dimension thing mm-hmm. and, and she and she tells him if you get lost we get lost together Aww. I thought that was one of the like the most beautiful things like I've ever heard representing love like story it was like it was like she that's she was like let like I'll fuck myself up because I know you're fucked up and if you're fucked up in that way I just want to be dragged along and I was like, that's so powerful and like real. And yeah. Oh yeah. Um, one of the, one of my favorite things uh, about Legion or specifically about uh, his relationship with her is the fact that, I don't know, it's just such a rare example of like an alternative to having sex or like just, it sort of presents right. this relationship where it's like, oh no, these two people, they like each other, but twist they can't have sex together. What now? They mm. still want to be in a relationship and they don't mm-hmm. even touch each other and they still love each other because not everything's about sex. That's and true. I was like, whoa, thank you, TV. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 really it's really creative but real. It is like it does feel like really lived in and 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 genuine and honest. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Oh man, Legion! Yeah, we can't. If we get started, I'll yeah. literally talk a half hour about Legion right now. We've already. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I apologize, Joe. We, we've definitely gone gone over the time. I, I yeah, assume we, we have. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 okay. I'm I'm feeling chill now. Okay, okay, good. We can keep going. Yeah, I was having like a like an anxiety attack at the beginning, so Marcus very kindly was like, "Oh, I'll put I'll put a timer so we can not uh, the delay time, this." I, like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I just was like, "Oh, this is so good," you know. Um, <laughs> I, I want to real quick, um, you know, Tanise, uh, you know, shout out to Tanise gave uh, an important clarification. Um, she said, "Hey, Joe, I met the in the comics. One of Black Lightning's daughters is queer." Um, she also, oh, okay. She also clarified for me um, that he, she believes he only has two daughters. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I think I think where I got a little confused was I th- I could have sworn 
They said something about one of the. Oh, there is a third. Yeah. Oh. Okay. No, I no, I no, I I understood what you were saying because I did get confused at some point. Like, is yeah, there three, I thought, I thought three one of them or, was yeah. like either a med student or actually like. Am I wrong? Like one of them was like older. No. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That I have to rewatch it. It's yeah. I have to watch it. Okay, but I, I, I believe Denise. I, I believe you. So, <laughs> anyway, that's that's a little uh, clarification there that we have. More reasons. More reasons to care. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> by next episode, I'll be caught up on Blacklight. Okay. Cool. Cool. We'll have, we'll have a bigger chat. Yep. Yes. And next. Uh, next episode will be will be next week. Um, so we'll we will be back. Um, you know, and we'll we'll get to speak on it. Cool, but uh, but Joe, I um, you know, I, this is all the more reason for us to have you have you back on sooner than later because uh, you know, I had a bunch we had a bunch of stuff to talk about. We didn't even scratch the surface, um, and we still have more questions for you. So I, I hope that you will, you know, grace us with your your presence again. Nope, this is the last time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I shot myself. Do? Just do the questions now. Just come on. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, two more hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I always love speaking to y'all. As I've said, yeah. Whenever you want me back, just just say the word. Okay. Awesome. All right. We'll, we'll put the bat signal out. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. Any? Oh, you know, we didn't even get to we didn't even get to um, Tony's recap of um, Black Comic Book Festival. We'll, we'll do that next week. All right, yeah, yeah. We're 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 we haven't had next week. We'll do we'll do the full con report. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Awesome. And hopefully Grace will be there too, so we can. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We got, yeah. Grace has got to be here with too, because I think that we had. She was there on Friday. I was there on Saturday, and it, I mean, she was there briefly on Saturday, but I think we had two different experiences, and I want to be able to compare that. So yeah. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Ruby. All right, people. Um, man, shout out to to everyone in the Black Comic Chat audience. You know, you guys always always make it fun. And uh, yeah, and Joe, where can where can everyone find you at on the internet? Everyone can find me primarily on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Joa Met Gill. The Twitter handle for Power and Magic Press is at Power and Magic PR. You can also uh, find. Basically, everything I'm doing with Power and Magic Press at powerandmagicpress.com. From there, we've got store links. We've got updates on how Heartwood, uh, the non-binary anthology, is progressing. That includes, you know, artwork and status updates and stuff like that. Uh, We've also got a newsletter you can sign up for there. And people on the newsletter get, you know, special discounts randomly. So you, you get like a sort of VIP access to things. Also, you get to hear about things before everybody else does. So Yay, VIP. Um, Other than that, I also wanted to give a little, uh, I guess, call to arms. Uh, Yesterday, I learned that uh, the Eisner Hall of Fame nominees uh, for this year have been announced. Uh, There are 16 nominees, and uh, people get to vote in for inductees for the Hall of Fame. And uh, one of the nominees this year is Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, Yeah, a renowned uh, manga artist, uh, best known for Ranma One Half, Inuyasha, Mm. uh, 
uh, Mezzoni Koku, lots of things. Uh, she's been a work, like a powerhouse in Japanese comics for over 40 years. She's never not been making comics and revolutionizing manga and what we read and like here in the United States as well. She's been nominated three times before and was not voted in any of those times. So I want to just remind everyone Voting is open now. If you are any in any way involved in the comics industry, that means if you are an artist, a writer, a publisher, work for a publisher, work for a comic book store, etc., you can go to uh, Comic Con International's website, look up the Eisner Award stuff, and vote. So I highly recommend voting for Rumiko Takahashi because she super deserves it and it's well overdue. And uh, I guess that's it, people. We will awesome. uh, we'll speak to you soon. And thank you so much, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you all so Thank much. You. <laughs>